Before we start this episode, I want to give a big shout out to Zipster, local web people who help entrepreneurs and artists make kick-ass websites and get found online. Visit Zipster.com to find out more information. And on to the episode. This is Farron T. Hughes, and you are listening to Free Pizza. Free Pizza, your platform for creatives, and today we have the amazing Nick Neighbor in here. What's up, Nick? Hey, how are you? I'm doing so well. I'm so happy we're able to do this. Uh, I, I gotta give an introduction of how I met you, of course. So I met Nick um, at the Java Project when Ashley Johnson had her show there. Um, we did an install up there, and I met you up there. And uh, you, I guess, are you like assistant curator, or you just help curate shows there? Yeah, I curate shows on and off there. Uh, my friend Dakota runs the space, and he's been very generous in letting me like reach out to other artists that I think are great and put together, you know, solo shows, two-person shows, and that sort of stuff at Java, which has been really, really wonderful to bring, especially people that are outside of New York to New York and bring them to an audience that maybe doesn't know them. Absolutely. You, you did a great job at that, for sure. Meeting you was so pleasant, and Ashley's show was had a wonderful turnout. So um, thank you for doing that for, for her, for sure, because that was an amazing experience for me. Um, and Nick is a draftsman, and I'm so excited he said draftsman because he <laughs> said drawer at first. And I was like, I would probably say drawer so terribly, so I'm going to say draftsman. <laughs> draftsman work. Draftsman, and you are a beast of a creative. I looked through your site the last couple of days, and I'm just blown away by everything you've done for the publications you've been in. You have a few solo shows in New York in the past, so we're going to dive into all that for sure. But yes, tell us where you're from, and then we'll get into the art. Sure, yeah. So I'm originally from Wisconsin. I grew up in a small town about 30 miles southwest of Milwaukee, mm -hmm. uh, and I went to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee uh, for my BFA. And then I went directly uh, from undergrad to graduate school. And I went to the Pratt Institute here in Brooklyn. And I've been in Brooklyn since 2010. So oh, wow. this is my 12th year here. 12 years in Brooklyn. <laughs> that is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, I sort of can't believe it's been that long. I'm sure it's Zoom by for sure. I mean, I'm sort of time is flying. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Yeah. So let's go back. So you growing up and, you know, where did the art really start for you? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it was always something that I was doing. Like when I was a, uh, a little kid, I was always, always drawing. I think it partially was uh, about like my imagination, like creating these worlds that I wanted to inhabit. I was like obsessed with castles. Mm. So I would draw castles all the time. And I was very lucky. I went to a very good uh, public school that really funded the arts. And I had amazing art teachers, you know, from kindergarten up through, you know, senior year of, of high school uh, that really gave me a nice basis uh, for for being an artist, really. Oh, my gosh. That is, that's a very a great privilege to have as a, as, a, as a young kid. That is pretty amazing. Absolutely. I feel like that is now becoming less and less available for so many for so many students in our public school system and you know for me it was such a a blessing because it was like there was nothing else that i was really 
interested in. You know, I wasn't a music kid. I wasn't athletic. And mm. so art really sort of saved me in a way. Oh, wow. I love that. And it's, it's cool to yeah, find out at a young age. I'm guessing your parents were also very supportive of you going this route as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it was sort of a circuitous route. Like originally I thought, oh, I want to be an architect. And my first year in undergrad, I was like, oh, I'm going to be an architect. And I took the first studio class in architecture. And I was like, no way. This is awful. Like, I don't care if a building stands up. Like, I don't want to design a building. But I was super interested in the reason why people build buildings. I had taken a class on architectural theory. And it was incredible to study the... Um, it's called vernacular architecture, you know, like architecture in the Middle East, like how they build buildings to withstand sandstorms and the heat and how like Native Americans built their homes in America to withstand the snow and also be able to build fires inside. And all of that sort of stuff was very interesting to me, but I didn't want to design it. I didn't want to make buildings. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So with this path, were they, were you, did they teach you at a young, that age to how to make a career out of what you wanted to do with that? I didn't go far enough. So I only took the first studio class in architecture. Mm. And then I was like, I can't do this. Like I have to piece out of here. Um, and then I went over to the fine art department, but I had a lot of credits in the architecture department. And so I ended up getting a minor in architectural history and theory and that sort of played a role in my later um, courses in the art department because I was able to take independent study in the architecture department. And I ended up uh, breaking into an abandoned tannery in Milwaukee over and over again and photographing it and measuring it and drawing it like over and over again. And that was my first solo exhibition. It was. Um, it was a massive exhibition. I took over a thousand photos that I had printed and those were all displayed along with my drawings and stuff that I stole from the tannery, like <laughs> old pieces of leather and bricks and pieces of glass and, and all of that stuff. And it really sort of cemented my, um, my practice at that time to really like investigate deeply what I was doing. Wow. And what age was this? I would have been 20. Oh my 20, God. 20, 21. So this was you and your program in Milwaukee. Yep. Oh yeah. my goodness. So going in, so let's go back a little bit. So going into this program and going to the University of uh, Milwaukee, um, did you have it set in your head then that you wanted to be a career artist? Yeah, I think. Once I really um, got out of what they call like foundations, you know, 2D concepts, sculpture, like all of that stuff, and I got into the drawing and painting program, it really sort of like clicked in a way for me. I was making a significant amount of work, and it was work that I felt really strongly about, and it became very serialized. I still work in series. And it really was a deep investigation that fed into uh, into the tannery project. And it really sort of cemented my way of making. Like, my work has always 
sort of been architecturally based since I would say like 2008 mm -hmm. because of that. And um, because I was making so much work at the time, the professors that I had were like, you know, usually we would say, wait, you know, a year or two before you apply to graduate school, but they were like, you're on such a track right now. Like, we don't think you should wait, you should apply. Yeah. Uh, and I did. And I, and I, and I got in and I, and I got a scholarship at Pratt and that's where I ended up. Wow. What? A, wow. That seems like it was all so quick, but I mean, you just seems like you're very ambitious, you know, with what you're doing, which is pretty amazing. Um, I want to touch on school for a second, your undergrad, because everyone, there's always, not necessarily always fights, but there's always uh, discussions though, if, you know, if it's worth it to go to art school or, you know, could you learn it on your own? Can you talk about maybe your experience and maybe some of the highlights and maybe some of the maybe cons of, you know, pursuing art, you know, in school? Sure. I mean, I will say this and it probably will get me into trouble, but I absolutely loved my undergrad experience. Mm. I loved going to a public institution and I loved the fact that you could work with other departments. Like I said, you know, I worked in the architecture department, yet I was a fine art student. And like that cross pollination was really incredible. And I would say the undergrad experience for me was amazing. Like I loved being an undergrad. I loved the support that I had. Uh, I think that the graduate experience was more uneven for me than the undergraduate experience. I sort of it's it's such a extreme change it's hard to describe it's you know you're basically for me especially like i'm coming to a city that i you know i had visited quite a bit but never lived in mm. and everyone in their first year especially in their first semester is sort of like terrified in a little bit of you know in a way and doesn't really know what they're doing and so there wasn't a lot of um interaction with one another because everyone was so like oh i need to you know get work done and i have to figure out what i'm doing and so it was a very lonely time mm. uh especially that first semester when i came to graduate school and things started to loosen up the second semester like towards the spring like people were like oh yeah like we can start hanging out and like yeah. go to the bar and like go to each other's studios and it's not like weird mm. um yeah and graduate school is just so intense it's like two years and it's just like mm. it, it's like whiplash it just happens so quickly mm. um and i as for like going i think everybody has to make that decision themselves you know for me it was really beneficial um mostly because it's my network you know it's the people that i still talk to to this day yeah. it's uh it's also a different way about a different way of thinking and talking about art uh, than maybe you would get just from an undergraduate degree. But that's not to say that somebody that only has an undergraduate degree isn't like fully an artist or mm. even somebody who doesn't have a degree isn't fully an artist. It's just what that person needs in, in terms of support and understanding of what they're doing in their, in their practice, yeah. I would say. Absolutely. It's funny you, you mentioned something earlier because everyone, everyone sees New York as this crazy big city with people, blah, blah. And people who go to school there, I've always mentioned the first few years being really lonely, which is so crazy because there's people everywhere. And it's, just, it's crazy how common that is with a bunch of artists who go to school there. Yeah, I think 
you know, you're constantly surrounded by people in New York, but you're also very much alone in New York mm. because it's not as if, you know, you're going to be on the subway to a museum <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh, hey, Daniel. Like, I mean, that does happen, but it's not like it's not a small town in that way where it's, you know, if you're in a smaller city, like if I lived in Milwaukee, I'm going to see the same 50 people everywhere I go. Like, right. we're going to all go to the same openings. We're all going to go, you know, to the same things. Where in New York, it's 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 massive. It's massive, but it's also still small. Like, I still see people yeah. all the time. But it's it takes time to get to that point. Wow. Um, for sure. Absolutely. And with your undergrad um, experience, did they teach you, I guess... Well, before I go there, were you able to really develop your style more in undergrad or when you get to grad school? I think when I was in my last year in in undergrad is when I started to hit some of the things that I still use today. Mm. I wouldn't say it was in any way developed in the way that it is now, but I think that there was... I taught myself this architectural style of drawing, which is called axonometric and isometric, which mm. is is a forced perspective drawing. And I still, all of my drawings are still a forced perspective drawing where there is no convergent line. They're always parallel. And so when you look at my work, mm -hmm. it looks like it's in perspective, but it's not actually in perspective. And it's an old it's like a very old school way of architectural drawing that really isn't used anymore because everybody does it on the computer and you can just rotate it on the computer and you can go in and out and whatever. But, you know, in the 1950s or whatever, like there was no other way to be like, what does this look like in space <laughs> other than doing that drawing? So I think that that is definitely a carryover from undergrad. Um, and I think really the seed of, interest in architecture is also like a carryover from undergrad oh, for sure oh yeah absolutely so this way you're doing it and you said isometric mm -hmm. and you say is it just is more about you said 1950s type of type of uh type of form that you're doing yeah i mean it's it's basically like if you were to look at uh frank lloyd wright drawings or corbusier or mies van der rohe like those modernists uh, yes. at the turn of the century any of the drawings that are showing like the full house or the full factory and then it has like the face of it off so that you can see the floors and see like where the stairs are and whatever it sort of makes it look like a dollhouse in a weird yes. way that's the kind of drawing that i'm using in my work that's pretty but not 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 doing like you know little dollhouses yeah <laughs> Of course. And for everyone listening, please go to, I'll put the website, obviously, in Nick's work um, in the description. Truly insane work. And when I was looking through your work the last past couple of days, I'm like, I'm wondering how, where you started in these, in these, in these, in these drafts. And how do you know, how did you know when you were finished? But before we get to your work, um, going back to the graduate part of it. So I guess, were you encouraged for your professors to keep doing this type of work or were you doing other things as well? So when I was in graduate school, I also made paintings okay. and I made a 
a large suite of paintings that were called facades. Mm -hmm. And it really, those paintings really came out of being in, I lived in Bed-Stuy at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and Bed-Stuy has a lot of beautiful old brownstone buildings. And, and Pratt is in Clinton Hill, which is the neighboring neighborhood, which also is home to a lot of beautiful brownstones. Mm. And so a lot of the time that I was walking home from Pratt, it was twilight. And I kept noticing the profiles of the brownstones as I was walking home on the sidewalk. And I was like, these are really interesting because the brownstone within, within itself is not that interesting of a building. Mm -hmm. It's just a rectangular building with more rectangular rooms inside. The only thing that was interesting to me was the ornamentation that was hanging over the profile of that building. And so I started painting those profiles and then I started connecting the profiles and then I started making these like insane paintings that had like, I don't know, 20 different colors of gray and black. Mm. And so when you look at them, the they're so close in tonality that you can barely see like a difference between the grays and the blacks you have to like it's like an ad reinhardt you have to stare at it <laughs> for a long time yeah. before it reveals itself and i made i think close to 15 of those paintings and i was like i i can't make these anymore i i've got it figured out they're not interesting to me anymore and i was always making these other drawings like they were side drawings i didn't think anything about them and I had a studio visit with Solowitz's main assistant. He came to my studio. We're sitting there and he's looking at the paintings. And he's like, oh, yeah, the paintings, whatever, whatever. And he walks over to this pile of drawings that I just have, you know, over in the corner. And he starts looking through these drawings. And he's like, what are these? And I was like, you know, they're just like something to break up the monotony of making the paintings because... I hate making the paintings. <laughs> um, and he's like, well, these drawings are really great. You should really think about these drawings. And that was the first time that I sort of thought about drawing, shifting into the main focus of my work and not thinking like about the hierarchy that the market has created, that painting is at the top. You know, if you're a painter, you can get, more money than you can for a drawing always yep. and that was basically for me it sort of was like the it's okay to make drawings sort of like <laughs> thing and i was like i'm done making paintings and at the time i had a couple of professors that were like you know if you keep making these paintings you'll have a gallery and you'll sell out these paintings are beautiful like and you can make them in all these different colors and i was like that's stupid. Like, just because they're in different colors, that's not interesting. Like, I'm never making a painting again. I haven't made a painting in 10 years. No way. So you, you straight up stopped. I just stopped. I was like, I'm good. I got this figured out. I'm not interested in doing this. Oh There's also been no impetus for me to make painting again. Oh, my. I'm, getting, I'm satisfied with what I'm doing on paper. That is phenomenal. Um, shout out to that, you said the professor's assistant. That that went that came and saw your drawings. Solowitz assistant, the artist Solowitz. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yes, okay. I bet that was very. I bet when they were looking through those drawings, you were like, "Oh, what? Really? Cool. Yeah, yeah. I really do that, exactly. anyways." <laughs> That's phenomenal. So at that point, um, you had a couple solo shows before, I guess, graduate school, right? Yeah, I had two 
two or three solo shows before graduate school. Two of them were in the university galleries. Um, and then, then I had my thesis show in February of 2012. And then I had a solo show in Chelsea in Manhattan that following fall in, in 2012. So I had like my thesis show and then I had like the summer to make more work. Mm -hmm. And then I had a solo show in Chelsea in 2012. Oh, wow. So let's talk about some of your, I guess, some of those shows a little bit, because I'm always uh, very curious of how the artists, you know, set up for them, make the work and just their feelings afterwards. So what was your process of making uh, the scope the Chelsea show? Yeah. So that show in Chelsea, uh, I did a wall drawing for that, for that exhibition. And it was a 12 foot by 12 foot wall drawing, which wow. was something that, you know, the gallerist really, really wanted me to do because having had my thesis show early in the like academic year in February, basically once I had that thesis show, I was done. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have to do anything else. Like that was it. And so the rest of my time at Pratt was just studio time. Oh, wow. So I had this enormous studio and I was like, okay, now I can do whatever I want. There's nobody that's going to come in here and tell me like, oh, you got to think about thesis. You got to think about thesis. And so I started making wall drawings on my studio wall and we had open studios and this gallerist came through and was like, I'm really interested in this. Like, you know, is this something you think you can do again? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I can do it again. Uh, and so for that exhibition, I did the wall drawing, and then it was a combination of the drawings I was making at the time, along with, I think there were two or three of the paintings that he, he wanted to, to have up. So it was basically you came into the gallery and as you looked straight ahead, it was the wall drawing, and then to the right was a wall of drawings, and then to the left was, was three paintings. Uh, and that was my first exhibition, uh, solo exhibition in the city. Oh my gosh. So, I mean, having a solo exhibition in New York city has to be pretty invigorating. So tell us about how you were feeling it. Were you super nervous? What, what, what was going through your head? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it was a lot because it was like, I had just graduated from graduate school. I really didn't know anything about the art world in new york city mm -hmm. or the art market or any of that like i was completely wet behind the ears and yeah i mean it's it's a big thing to to have an exhibition i mean i was 24 or 25 years old when i had that exhibition uh and it was it was great i mean it was it was really cool and then i worked with that gallery uh until about in 2016 and i had a second solo show there in 20 2015 uh and that was the last solo show that i had with them and yeah i mean it's 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 a lot of work and at the time i had started working at a gallery as my day job and i talked to one of the artists that i was had become close to and she said you know i always take a full month off from the studio when i have a solo show go up she said i need that time to sort of recalibrate and just get right with myself after pushing out that much work. And I thought about that and I was like, I'm going to see what that does. And honestly, it is something that I, I also do. I take a, I take a good month long break from the studio after I put up a solo show because it's, it's a lot of energy and it's a lot of work and it's a lot of, um, 
it's a lot of like love and pain and it's a lot it's a lot to have a solo show and it's a lot to be vulnerable in that way and put work into the public that you have no control over right. you know like i'm not sitting there every day when they have people in and it's it's a lot it's a lot to have a solo exhibition oh 110 percent um sorry i was just going through your work to make sure i saw what you were talking about um so with these shows i mean tell us how long tell us about the, maybe if there's any themes and i guess how long it takes you to make the pieces sure so i am an, uh, a person that is always making work like i do not and have not ever made work for an exhibition. Mm -hmm. Like I am just always making work. Um, I mean, with the caveat of like, if somebody wants a wall drawing, I'm making that on site. Like that, that's different. That happens there. Like that would be the only thing that I'm doing for an exhibition. But otherwise it's really, you know, that first exhibition was sort of like the, was, a couple of those works were from graduate school and then most of the drawings were new work and then the wall drawing and then the second exhibition that i had at that chelsea gallery was all new work it was watercolors and that was wow. the first time i had ever shown watercolors i had taught myself how to make watercolor i had never taken a watercolor class so i i think it took me about two years to you know get to a point where I was like, okay, I'm comfortable <laughs> in showing these watercolors yeah. because it was not a media that I knew or understood, you know, like oil paint, you can keep, you know, putting layers on watercolor. You can't do that. Like it was a real learning curve for me. Mm -hmm. So that second exhibition was called cityscapes. Uh, and it was a series of work that was, that looked very much like, I would say looks like a quilt and what it was was like an overhead view of imagined cities in in monochromatic uh colors so they'd be like blue or green or purple or or whatever and so that was that exhibition with all those watercolors and then it was uh line drawings called structures uh and i think there was maybe one wall of those where i was like creating these fantastical uh spaces and then in 2018 i had a solo exhibition at java project that was the first time i'd ever done anything with java and it was dakota Sika, who runs java project had works of mine on consignment and i was like okay dude like you've had these works for like two or three years obviously nobody's interested can i get them back and he's like yeah of course you can get them back and he's like would you want to have a solo show and i was like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would like to have a solo show. So, you know, that's how that happened. And then that was that was the first show that I did of this work called the Untitled series, yes. which was a series of work that I worked on from 2015 until I think 2018 or 2019. And there were a hundred hundred works in that series. It was like it that is still like one of the largest series of work that I did. Uh, and so putting together that exhibition, it was all watercolors. The entire show was watercolors. Uh, and then a year after that, a friend of mine named Alejandro was like, hey, this gallery called Trestle, you know, wants to have a show with you. 
at the end of July, early August. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and he's like, why? And I'm like, because that's the shit time. Nobody wants to have a show at the end of July, early August. Like, that's like the worst possible time to have a show. Yep. Nobody's in the city. Like, nobody's going to come, whatever. And he's like, look, I really want you to do this show. They really want you to do a wall drawing. Like, you know, we're going to make it, we're going to make it like a, a, a thing. And I'm like, okay, fine, fine. <laughs> I begrudgingly did this exhibition and it, he 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 basically organized the show and i was like fine like i don't really want to do it you can like come over and like look through the flat file and decide what you want like i am going to be so so hands off on this other than doing the the wall draw so he came over and he started like going through my portfolios and my flat files and he was like we really need to do a retrospective mm -hmm. and i was like what i'm like 30 years old like that's ridiculous and he's like there's <laughs> There's so much work here. We need to do a retrospective of drawing. He's like, you have nine years worth of drawings here. And he's like, how many of these drawings have been seen? And I was like, you know, I just had the show in 2018. So those got shown. And then there's two shows in Chelsea. And he's like, so basically none of this work has been seen. And mm. I was like, yeah, pretty much. Um, and so he picked, I think it was 67 works. 67 uh, that, that was the the yeah there were 67 drawings in that exhibition wow. and then that was the first time i had done a wall drawing in eight years uh and so i had to like look back at my old sketchbooks to figure out how i made the wall drawings i keep copious notes about my work mm -hmm. so like if something like that happens i can be like oh yeah that's how i make a wall drawing <laughs> so that's sort of like a quick version of all of those solo exhibitions in a row oh my god that's that seems like it's so so much work <laughs> Man. i mean you mentioned earlier how solo shows are literally a lot of work a lot of pressure just a mentally taxing and you're just like ah, four solo shows in new york <laughs> over <laughs> a span of what two three years no 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 no. it was longer than that so 20 2012 2015 okay 2018 and then 2019. Okay. That's way spaced out than I thought. Okay. Hey, hey, thank goodness. <laughs> I didn't see the years in there. Um, but wow, that's pretty impressive. So question, after you graduated um, from graduate school in Bedside, uh, what's the school called again one more time? Pratt Institute. Pratt Institute. Were you able to just work as an artist or were you kind of, you know, working part-time somewhere or full-time somewhere and also doing this on the side? Yeah, so I originally was an intern at a gallery that no longer exists called Sue Scott Gallery. Uh, and she decided that she had had it uh, with like running the gallery. So she closed and she was like, look, there's a gallery down the street. I can go ask that guy to give you a job like you need a job. Right. And I'm like, yeah, of course I need a job. Um, so she walked down the street and was like, hey, can you give can you give Nick a job? And I've been with that gallery for 10 years now. Uh, That's the same so, gallery. Oh, wow. It's the same gallery we're with now. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so I've God. been with this. I work at a gallery as my day job. I work four days a week and then I have off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that's the time that I really like dig into the studio because I really, I don't have a lot of energy after work to be in the studio. And also the light isn't good enough for me to like mix color. Uh, so I don't paint at night. There has it has to be daylight for me to to make work. Oh wow, 
That's, I mean, actually, that kind of makes sense with the work you do. That makes a lot of sense. Plus, I'm sure you're maybe more inspired during the day than the night. So, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think like anybody is tired after they come home from their day job. You know, you just want to like eat some dinner and watch Golden Girls for like four hours and then go to bed. <laughs> Shout out to Golden Girls. <laughs> That's amazing. So, for this cityscape thing, I'm, the cityscape uh, exhibition, I'm curious because those are imagined cities. Those, those, this is from your head. Yeah. So how are you getting inspiration for something like that? Are you walking around, obviously, New York and, you know, recreating something like that in your head or just completely just you sitting alone thinking about, you know, an imaginative city? So what were we going to talk about? We were going to (laughs) say... is anywhere but here my name's maria my name's tom and we are two reluctant residents of greensboro north carolina who want to talk about it and want to talk about it with other reluctant residents of greensboro (laughs) and kind of explore our accidental love for the city yeah it'll be great i'm excited i'm very excited we're gonna have guests and then you and i are gonna talk for hours many many hours (laughs) so many hours we're looking forward to it Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that all of the work that I've made since 2011 is is basically conceptually the same. It's all imagined places and it all comes from my interpretation of the world that's around me. So it is 100 percent New York City. It is when I travel, you know, when I'm in a plane, a lot of times I you know, I read, but I also like always try to get a window seat so I can look out the window the entire time mm-hmm. I'm flying. Um, and I keep a sketchbook. I always, if I see something that I think is strange, a weird architecture or whatever, I draw it. And so all of the, the work that I make comes from reality. Uh, it comes from a reality and then it becomes sort of bastardized in my head and then it becomes something else when i create the drawing uh that then gets finished it it's also not super pre-planned um in the sketchbook i'll do like a thumbnail drawing and say like i want this to happen in the upper left corner Mm -hmm. so when i start the big drawing i do something in the upper left corner and then i make i react to that and then it's sort of like builds out from there like none of these drawings are planned wow so you're literally sitting there like all right cool let's do this and just kind of just go at it that is really impressive (laughs) that's so cool um and with this gallery i want to know about kind of your day-to-day with that too so describe what you do at the gallery sure so at the gallery i work at i am the archivist which means i basically am in charge of uh updating like artist bios and making sure like if we get new work in that it's photographed that the exhibitions are photographed i do a lot of work uh designing catalogs and working with you know graphic designers and with the artists that they're living we have a lot of foundations and estates so i also do a lot of like work uh between the foundations and the estates and the owners of the gallery um I sometimes travel for work uh, out to these estates and foundations and 
bring a photographer with me if there's a large amount of work that needs to be shot for, let's say, like a museum exhibition mm -hmm. or uh, that sort of thing. That's sort of like the quick version of what I do like day to day. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say you're pretty, because it's also obviously a, a kind of a pro working in a museum is that you're exposed to a lot of different artists and a lot of different works. Is seeing the different varieties of work, and does that inspire you in your work? Um, I think for me, mostly working at the gallery really gives me a better insight into the way a gallery works with an artist mm -hmm. and how an artist works with a gallery, like what that relationship is. Um, it's not a relationship I have personally as an artist. Like I don't, I'm not represented by any gallery or anything, but it has given me more insight into the business side of what it is to be an artist, to understand, you know, what yeah. a consignment agreement is, um, you know, framing what that, like how that cost breaks down, yes. like all of those sorts of like things that I think a lot of artists are like, what do you mean the gallery gets 50%? And it's like the gallery is doing a lot of, yes. you know, legwork for you on the other side of you making the work, which is obviously, you know, a paramount part of this equation. But it's also, you know, a lot of the work of the gallery is also like shepherding an artist's career, you know, making sure that when the artist has an exhibition that they are, you know, sending emails to museums or major collections and trying to make sure that that work finds its way into MoMA or the Whitney or the Met or whatever it is so that that artist has longevity beyond their lifetime. And you can say like, oh, you know, the estate of whoever they, you know, MoMA has a piece by them and you know that that piece is going to be for forever yeah. um so i would say that is more the way that i look at the work like my day job at the art gallery is sort of understanding more how that part of the art world works um the business side of it yeah. as an artist is sort of like a great it's a great thing uh in a lot of ways that's that's amazing because i think a lot of things a lot of schools at least some of the schools around here lack the business side of the art world like they train these artists up and they kind of send them out there and they have no clue how you know the museums work or you know finding a curator or getting your work into spaces and all that so i'm sure that's very it's been very great in your development into you know how that world works so that's pretty amazing absolutely and it's also you know i've been there for 10 years so it's also a really big uh it's like a term I don't like using, but networking thing, you know, because I've been around for so long. It's like, oh, I know that person at that gallery. Oh, I know this person at that gallery. Or, hey, we need an art handler. Do you know anybody? Yeah, I know five people. Like, yep. it's kind of great in that way because it's like, oh, yeah, like, I need to pack these weird artworks or I need to get frames quickly. Who's cheaper? You know, like, I know that sort of stuff, which is great. I get asked all the time by other artist friends, do you know a good framer? And it's like, yeah, I know like three good frames. So, <laughs> you know, it's sort of great in that way too, because I can help out other friends. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's, I'm going to come to you one day for, for some knowledge myself, honestly. Um, also, you've been in a variety of publications, you know. Um, so how's it feel, you know, having your work just being seen and, you know, being, you know, questioned and, and, and that whole thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's uh, it's a conversation I had this morning with my therapist, actually. Um, I am not somebody who is very strategic in their artist career. Like, I'm not somebody who's constantly out there, like, beating the doors of galleries or curators or whatever, being like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's sort of, for me, it's, the gratification that I get is making the work. And whenever anybody shows interest in the work, I am happy to shepherd it mm. any way that I can. Like this interview here is a way of me shepherding my work. You're asking me questions about my practice and you're asking me questions about my work. And for me, it's very gratifying that somebody is taking the time and interest in my work and wants to talk about it. Yeah. And so, anything that happens for me or my work i'm grateful for i think that i i think that i that's the way that i operate in the world just as a person and that's also the way that i operate as an artist i let the work speak for itself and i allow people to come to it i'm not out there like get some get some abstractions you know i got some watercolors here like i don't i'm not interested in that because that's not authentic to me as a person so yeah like any of the publications or any of the exhibitions that i have i have had or any of the curators that have put me in group shows whatever i'm very thankful for that because it just means that it's hitting for for that person or it's hitting for that group of people or it's or it's happening in some way that opens the my my world, which is my work, to others, and that is all I can ask for. It. Yeah, that is that's pretty phenomenal. That's so, that's that's wonderful and definitely well said. Um, you being in New York City, do you feel any sort of discouragement being surrounded by <laughs> feel like, probably feels like millions of artists? I mean, are you, you seem like you're still very passionate and still very confident in what you're producing. Yeah, I mean, I think this is also a conversation that I have a lot of times with friends. I mean, it can get discouraging, especially when, you know, I've seen quite a few people that I know, you know, well, some of them very well, some of them not so well that have really taken off. And honestly, for me, it's, I'm happy for them, because it means that what they were doing was hitting people wanted to see that. And it's great. I'm so like thankful that they have that opportunity and that platform to show and to be in the world. I think the thing that for me is any success that I have, I think that I still continue to try and advocate for other artists. And that's the one thing that I think uh, people that maybe ascend don't continue to do. Mm. You know, it just becomes very much about their practice, their work, what they're doing, where they're going, where they're showing. And I have always been very conscious of trying to help other people. I mean, that's really one of the impetuses for starting the Coastal Post was, uh, was you know, there are so many people making great work and then there's no focus on these people, yep. you know, and it's, it's unfortunate because there is so much great work that is happening and 
you know, not that the Coastal Post is going to be a salve for everything because we can't possibly, you know, interview every single person that's making great work. Yeah. But, you know, I I personally try really hard to uplift other artists. And I think that that's a really important thing to do as as an artist and, and, and somebody that has a platform, however small the Coastal Post is or my personal platform is, I think it's really important to advocate for other people. Absolutely. I mean, Who, whose work I believe in. I mean, yeah. I have to believe in the work for me to advocate for the work. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's community, community and not competition. And it seems like it's what you're doing with this, with the Coastal Post. So you're talking about that a little bit. That, that sounds like amazing, uh, an amazing platform. So can you tell us how that was made? And obviously your goals with it, obviously you're bringing other artists on and telling their stories, interviewing them. But let's, you know, just, just talk about. Yeah, how sure. Going. So. Uh, in 2014, uh, a good friend of mine who I went to undergrad with, her name is Francesca Cazone. Mm -hmm. uh, she waited, I think, two or three years to go to graduate school after undergrad. And I had finished. And then she was she went to CCA in San Francisco and she graduated. She and I had a conversation where we both were sort of, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, it sort of feels like, eh, you know, and she was saying, doesn't it just feel like, oh, Thanks for the 150K. We'll see you later. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. You know, there was no support system after graduate school. It was mm -hmm. just like, thanks for all that money. We'll see you later. You know, <laughs> yep. I mean, that's basically what it was. And so, you know, at first she and I started talking and saying like, oh, we should do something. And then we started the Coastal Post, which started on Tumblr. Uh, she yes. asked four of her uh, friends from CCA and I asked four of my friends from Pratt and that's how we started it. I mean, it's, and it's still, it's still self-funded. I still fund it myself. Um, and all of the people that write for the coastal post do it out of the goodness of their heart. I have no money to pay them because <laughs> I'm not rich. Um, and it's great because it's sort of, um, you know, we, take votes on what we want to do and people come and go as they want. Because again, I'm not paying anybody. So, if, <laughs> you know, if things start taking off in their career or their day job or whatever, and they don't have time, there's no hard feelings. It's like, great. Thanks so much for everything you've done. And they move on and sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't. Um, and then, yeah, basically the only caveat for the coastal post is no current students. And the contributors can visit anybody they want. I, you know, I don't tell them like, you should visit this person or that person. It should be somebody that they're interested in. I, you know, and I've gotten the question before, like, well, what if you don't like the work? And I'm like, what difference does it make if I don't like the work? There's so much work in the world I don't like, but just because I don't like it doesn't mean other people don't like it. And it's not, doesn't mean that it's not worthy of somebody talking about it. Yeah. You know, I'm just the editor. I'm not like, you know, I'm not Clement Greenberg. I'm not trying to make, a, you know, a treatise on what is art and what is not art. That's not for me to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a very amazing, you know, uh, uh, program you have there. Not program, but uh, publication you have there, which is super dope. And if you ever want to have an audio component to that, let me know. I would, I would not mind collaborating <laughs> I would with you. I would love to talk about that. That would yeah, be great. That would be actually pretty phenomenal. Um, do you think, how do you see your, your style changing over the next, you know, in, just in the future? Do you see yourself going to a different medium or, you know, taking a different route with your work? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think things changed sort of gradually for me. I, I mean, I can, when I look at my work, I can see drastic changes. Mm -hmm. I don't think that, you know, a normal person would be like, oh, there's a huge change from this to that. But for me, I can see that, um, you know, I did a really big commission uh, in 2020 where I did a humongous wall drawing. They were two 10 by 50 foot wall drawings. And that was probably, I mean, that is the largest work I've ever made in my life. It's mm. huge. Mm. Um, and it was, you know, they wanted it to be in color. And I was like, I've never done a wall drawing in color. I have no idea how I'm going to do this. And I did a bunch of tests in my studio and I decided like, oh yeah, I could use these special colored pencils that are called very thin, which are super hard Prismacolored pencils. And I will do the drawing in that. And wow. so I bought 250 of those colored pencils and that's how I did that drawing. So I think, you know, when things like that happen where there's something that sort of like imposes upon me, I have to sort of think about how I make things. Like I'm currently preparing for a three person show in February of 2023 and the gallerist only wants black and white drawings. Wow. Um, and I do make black and white drawings, but it's never like the focus of the work. You know, it'd be like, oh, I make 10 watercolors and I'll make two black and white drawings and then I'll make 10 more watercolors and then I'll make one black and white drawing. And he wants all black and white drawings. So it's sort of a, a constraint for me. And it also makes me have to think about these drawings differently, like how I lay them out, like how they get filled in. And it's, it's sort of constraining in a way, but in a good way, because it makes me innovate differently than I would otherwise, if I was just, you know, in the studio making work and didn't have any constraints, I would just, I would just probably make watercolors and then one or two black and white drawings. Yeah. But, you know, it's sort of nice to have those things. I don't know that the work will change drastically. I, I can't really say. It's sort of, once I've figured something out, then the work has to change because then it just becomes doodling. Yeah. You know, like if I've answered the question, well, then there's no, there's nothing left for me to figure out. And, you know, right now I'm, I'm working on this series called Ariel, uh, the Ariel series, and I'm still really in the midst of it i'm still figuring out a lot of stuff and still sort of it's a pain in my neck which means it's doing something for me yep. um and when that stops being a pain in my neck then it's time to move on absolutely man i love that the and i also have to ask before we before we bounce out of here um oh wait first of all the aerial series have you shown any of that yet or is that all still under wraps no 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 i have shown it it's uh i just was I was in a two-person booth in Seoul, Korea at the beginning of September, and they took, I think they took two or three drawings from that series. Um, and I think that's the only time that those have been shown. The, the works that I'll show in February will all be aerial series drawings. Ooh, yes, yes. Yo, that is amazing. So I have to ask before we bounce out of here, because uh, you've been there for 12 years, do you see, see yourself being in New York for a long period? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's one of those things. I went on vacation this summer 
in August for three weeks. And at the end of my time in Los Angeles, I was like, you know, I, I'm really missing New York. I need to get back to New York. Wow. And I think if that if that ever changes, if I ever say to myself, fuck, I got to get back to New York, <laughs> then I think I'd start thinking about something else. But, you know, right now it still holds it for me. You know, I have a really great artist community here. I feel like I've gotten a lot of amazing opportunities here. And yeah, it still holds it for me. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm glad it's still doing it for you. I mean, New York is a magnificent place. You've been here for 12 years, so obviously you're still doing something for you. So yes. that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, Nick, man, this has been crazy. Oh, my gosh, what a journey. <laughs> <laughs> well, a thanks for having me. Of course, my friend. Um, and obviously, is your work for sale? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had, you know, people DM me on Instagram or email me through the site. Um, work is, is available for sure. Awesome. And with the Java project, hold on, sit back for Java project. So you've kind of taken a little, you know, position there as well. So are you setting up most of the shows? How's that work? If someone wants to get a show? No, 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 no. It's, it's literally, it's like one of those things where Dakota is, it's his space. And he basically is like, you know, I trust your eye okay. and I, you know, it's basically like if I come along somebody or I've seen like with Ashley, for instance, like she was visited by the Coastal Post by um, Devin McKnight, I think in like 2015 or 2014, like very early on. That makes sense. And I basically was just like, there's something about this photographer. Like I cannot get enough of this work. Yep. And it was sort of like, I just sort of like watched it for a long time. And I was just like, this work is fucking great. Like, yes. it's just so, it's so beautiful. And it tells such a, an important story. And it's a story that is not my story. It's a story that is fully her story. And again, for me, it's just like, I wanted to offer the space and be somebody that she could bounce something off of. But like, it was her yeah. space and it was her vision. And I wanted her to be supported in any way that she wanted me to be there for her. But I didn't want to be considered the curator of the show. Okay. I didn't want to do any of that because it wasn't about me. It was about Ashley and her vision. And so, you know, it's sort of, that's sort of how I approach the Java project because, you know, Dakota also has a full-time job and it's like, I, because I run the Coastal Post, I just see a ton of art. Yep. And there are certain people that I follow along. And sometimes I follow along and it gets better and better. And sometimes I follow along and it just sort of mm. stays the same. Yep. Which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, I am not the end all be all judge of anything. But like with Ashley, it just was like, damn. Like there is something, there is something brewing big time and this needs a new york audience and so i was like you know do you want to do this and then it was of course covid happened and then it was like postponed and then it was postponed yep. because then there was you know another wave of whatever and so it finally happened which i was like fantastic i'm so glad and it was great to be able to be there and sit with the work because i did i gallery sat for her um and to to be in that space and to 
uh, and to experience that work over and over again was was really beautiful. Absolutely, and she she killed it. She as always she she kills it. But I'm glad her work brought me to you because we can have this conversation here, um, which has been such a pleasant uh, a pleasant experience, and I, I appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thank you again so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, my friend. So we're going to be outside of here. Stay on the line because I need you to do one more thing for me. I can but do that. Please support Nick. He is so good. Look at his work. Uh, it still blows me away that you are making these drafts and drawings. Uh, that, that's insane to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're going to go far. I know it. This is going to be amazing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And have a good day, morning, night, wherever you're at in your life. Later. The Free Pizza Podcast. We are on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Just go on the Google App Store. Go on everywhere. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Live Journal, Twitter. We tweet. We'll do smoke sniggles. Whatever y'all need. Thank y'all so much. Have a good night.